Kerry, there is something I want to talk to you about. What's up? Tell me. We've been to two tournaments. One two weeks ago and one this last week. And it got me thinking. Like in Sweden, in Örebro, in my hometown, we have Sweden's fourth biggest youth tournament, okay? Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, Gofia Cup, which is yeah. the world's biggest yeah. youth tournament. Yep. I know that Örebro attracts around... Uh, 15,000 people for this one-week cup. The Orbro one? Orbro uh, one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, around 500 teams from countries like Nor- Norway, Finland, Denmark, Estonia, right. you, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're coming to Orbro, and it, it's definitely a big attraction and a big event in the city, and especially for the youth players and teams. So we've been to two tournaments now, and I kind of want to talk about your experience with these tournaments as a coach mm. because i reckon that you've been to these tournaments as a youth player in georgia in atlanta yourself and played here but mm. how was it as a coach yeah as a coach this is my first time doing it as a coach and you have you know tons of teams that show up of all age groups not quite as many as you said yeah. but um but it's nice because like you have you're just at this complex full of soccer all day, and it's just like it's a nice atmosphere. As a player, I guess one difference would be, you know, after a game, I would go to like you may have two games in a day, right? And I would go to we could have like three or four hours between games, right? So I'd go with my parents or sometimes with the rest of the team. And we just like almost completely forget about the previous game, no matter how well we did. We may goof goof off some, go out to lunch, or do whatever we can to just just pass the time. And it could take a while. You may get tired, you may right. get you may lose your energy, or you may get really <laughs> excited. I don't know. But that's special, you know? Yeah. Like usually you play games together, but you never really hang out after that's the right. game. So the tournament is like the only time to hang out with your teammates if you don't already are friends. Right, especially them. if you went to a tournament out of town where you say yes. you're staying in a hotel or something. Yep. But to, as a coach, this past weekend, you and I went out to lunch and uh, we had, like again, three or four hours between games, which yeah, is kind of, kind of a, a while, I think. And we were just like, I hope they're not, <laughs> they're not tiring themselves out. I hope they're staying relaxed. Um, and then we saw a group of... We saw uh, like three or four of them. <laughs> singing and yeah. dancing. Causing and... a commotion. Oh my God. Oh my God. I knew they would be tired and they were too. They were, yeah. Like kids, right? Um, yeah. It's also good for us, right? I mean, we can sit down and chill and relax yeah. a bit um, after a game. And um, for us, it's also a good moment to sit down and really discuss about our team, right? Yeah. You can kind of see how good the other teams are, what they're good at, and what we are good at, and what we are lacking or missing that we can work more on. Yeah, Tournaments give you that perspective. Not really for kids. Not for the players, really. Some might see, some might understand. Yeah, I'd say it depends. But sometimes they just like they completely shut soccer out of their minds altogether. Yeah. Which, I mean... Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. Sh- I don't think really they go home and say, "Man, that girl was so much better than me," mm. and are really sad about it. But if you would be like, you know, seventeen, eighteen, and you go to a tournament and you see someone is, uh, you know, out of this world good at yeah. that age, 
you you can't get discouraged. But my question to you is, uh, how, how do you think about our collaboration in this team? Because this is your first season with us. Yeah. And this was our last tournament together. Yeah, the season is over now. It is first over season, now. Or, well, first season for me hey, is Coach over Kerry, now. Hey, Coach Kerry, good job. You too, Coach Oz. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, I think, the from the start from the beginning, I guess I'd say that the season was a learning experience for me in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think for you as well, but definitely for me, it's mm-hmm. seeing as it's not my first time coaching, but it's my first time coaching at... This is probably the most professional environment I've ever been in, in terms of coaching. Uh, Where did you coach before? I coached at my high school for a couple years after I left. Really? High school. Yeah, like assistant coach. Is this the nice. high school where you actually started the soccer program <laughs> by going to the principal with your friend and really begging for yeah. <laughs> starting a soccer team? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, do they still have a soccer team today? Still do, still do. In fact, I think it's past season. They actually had a pretty decent season. Really? Season, yeah. So this is the same one. Not very established cause once I was coaching there because I'd only been around for like two years. <laughs> but uh, it was still it was a good experience then. But coming to DDY, yeah, much more established sporting professional environment right um so this was a nice step up for me and i took it as like a learning experience i was glad to have you along with me Mm -hmm. because i was able to see what you do and work off of you and i think we uh we were able to talk together and work together like we do so often anyway it was like a nice transition for me and it was a bit more you know focused too right yeah i feel like um we can discuss we can have different views or arguments and we look at the positive side and the negative side but end of the day i am the one that makes the decisions yeah but the most important for me is to have a partner or a colleague or a coach in my team that i can freely speak to and that coach feels confident enough to freely speak his mind and uh, with that fact and data you know, we can make decisions. Mm. And now this sounds so serious, but, you know, end of the day, I am the one that talks to the parents, to the club, and uh, also, you know, uh, justify why I'm doing different drills and why I'm not doing some. And trust me, there are a lot of politics, right? You've seen it too. Yeah. And uh, that sight of parents on the sideline that's screaming so much and so loud and... uh, you know, it's um, it's a zoo, to be honest with you. And I'm not, I don't think it's benefiting the kids. But either way, man, I've, I'm happy that we are on the same team. And we're learning too together, right? Yeah, for I sure. mean, um, oh, this is not painful, but just so stupid, right? You know, you know when... Um, I guess I can say it. Yeah. I mean, this you know we are totally open here and kind of evaluating our season two. So it's good that I can be straight with you here during the podcast too. Mm-hmm. I always get agitated or irritated on myself when I do a mistake that is so easily easily avoided. I feel stupid when I do something like that, you know. And uh, we it was this weekend where we had two games. Mm. And on this team snap that we have, which is an app where all the scheduling of the games and times and everything yeah. are on, 
didn't have this third game. And we left, we went home, and later that day I got a call, and um, it was not nice, right? Because we totally missed that third game. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't really think of much, a uh, mistake much bigger than that. Like a whole game was scheduled that we had no idea about, and we're just like a no-show. Not just us, but our parents, the players didn't on our team didn't know didn't anything know. about it. So Right. Uh, but the opponents players were there and yeah, everything they were waiting and you know we promised to never do this mistake again and not to um, repeat it which is the only thing we can say yeah you know? and that's a learning thing for us too so that's why you know it was uh, a big deal when we had that amazing opening game at the tournament two weeks ago mm-hmm Oh my god, man! That game was something else, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh yeah. That's that was that game. That's sort of it's intense, it's exciting. It's back and forth. It's uh, heated at times, but I think like games like this need to be in every player's yeah lives, memories. Oh but... man! I mean, even in our coaching experience, life it's exactly. huge. Exactly. Yeah. Dude. Right. I I actually got into a argument and fight or whatever you want to call it with the other team's coach. Yeah. But I couldn't take it anymore, man. Like whatever they did, they were just punting it, just punting it from the keeper or from the kickoff, and there was not even one pass. I mean, so so obvious. It was so obvious that I, you know, I. I'm not proud of it, but I just said to him that, man, the way you coach these kids are disgraceful. You should be ashamed of yourself. It's a joke. I don't, you know, what what are you teaching these kids? It's wrong. Mm. And then he got really pissed. Yeah. He got really mad. And yeah. you had to come and... He started to, like, walk over and, like, over towards... Close towards our bench, in fact, in front of... I was thinking of, uh, of players on the bench that were... Because we had a couple girls on our yeah. bench. So I was thinking, like, I tried to just, like, get up and say, chill, go back to your area, uh, just let it go, you know. But, yeah, Kerry, uh, you were like a fourth referee, man. <laughs> I didn't think of that. <laughs> oh, wow. But, um, but I agree with you, though. I mean, I mean, there. I think there are good things and bad things. I mean, and I think a good thing of what you did was that it shows how passionate you were yeah. and how much you cared for the game and for the girls and also that uh, the way that we not to say that we're perfect like the best mm-hmm. coaches ever mm-hmm. but the way yeah. we teach our girls is to play soccer yeah. and I agree with you the way that that they weren't playing was not soccer <laughs> at it all was, it was disgraceful it was I'm sorry but it was and um, it, and it, it happens I mean it, but the game itself was amazing yeah you know? can you oh, yeah. just tell us how it was Kerry? i mean it started off poorly for us they scored twice in like the first two minutes yeah then they eventually got a third goal three zero up after like 20 minutes or so and then i think we scored at, like at the end of the first half to yeah. bring it three to one but i mean like you said you could see that they're setting up like a kickoff just they had planned it just to Tap it, and then another girl, one girl tap it, and then another girl <laughs> with a running start, just charge at it and kick it as hard as they can from, like, the half field. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's a small field. Yeah. It's not like those YouTube clips, you know, oh, wow, he shot a goal from right from the 
kickoff. Right. That is an amazing shot. No, you know, at this age, it's almost like Espe- every second shot on target is goal. Exactly. Especially once, credit to their girls, they could kick the ball well. Yeah. yeah. Um, but especially once they can kick the ball as hard as they can at this age, and there's still half the girls that are still maybe really small, and the goals are like still probably way too big for them. It's not really... I don't think it's much of an achievement once you score a goal like that. True. Um, but uh, we came back. We did. We Second came back half. because uh, in halftime, I said to the girls, you know, we cannot play like them because we, we cannot, we don't have that playing style. So keep the ball in the team, pass around, open up, be option for each other, and we will come to shooting chances. We will come to chances and they will not be able to score goals when they win the ball, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? As long as the ball is in play, they won't be able to score. Mm. So we came back to 3-3, and, uh, you know, there was big hope now in the game. The girls were, like, screaming. The parents are jumping up oh, and down. You wild. know, they're running on the side. And <laughs> I tried to be calm. And then, you know, what are they doing? They did, uh, they did a shot from the kickoff which actually went, like, underneath our goalie's legs, right? Yeah. Like, nutmeg. Yeah, and, and it was it was one of those situations, it was just, like, a complete uh, fluke or, like, freak accident. Because yeah. she actually, I was very impressed. She was playing goalie for the past 10, 15 minutes, and she was doing really, really well. Really well. So you just had to chalk that off as just a freak mistake accident that wouldn't likely happen again. Exactly. Uh, but, but she got emotional. Yeah, she was very upset. And uh, I, I took her out, and we had a different goal at that point. And I told her, you know, like, listen to me carefully. And everything can happen in soccer. There is six minutes left. I just want you to go out and do your best and give everything you can the last six minutes. And I will be happy and proud over you. This type of goals, it happens. Don't think about it. Think positively, all right? Let's just go out there and do whatever you can. And what happened, Kerry? She went back in a striker where she normally plays. And I believe she won the penalty at first. Maybe it was like a... I think she took in a corner kick. Or she took a corner kick and it was like a handball or something. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, she won the penalty, scored it, 4-4. Four to four, And then shortly at the... like. Last minute or so. Last Uh, minute, man. I think we had another corner kick, another handball. Yeah. And she once again stepped up to take this penalty, hit it in the opposite Opposite. upper corner. She changed (laughs) the side. Two very nice penalties and uh, 5-4 to us. And then like three seconds later, the referee blew the whistle. And um, I, um, you know, we thanked the team and we had girls on our team that were crying because of joy. And I said to the girls, stand on the line. And I told them, this is the proof that everything is possible in soccer. Never stop believing and always, always play to the end. Everything can happen and we just showed it, girls. I'm really, I'm really proud over this achievement you've done. And I really hope that you will never, ever forget this feeling and just keep believing in yourself. Now, please go and say, and now please run to the parents and thank the parents as well. And, um, you know. Uh, I called my brother, I called Kaylee, and I was like, whoo, man, this is an epic, epic game, you know? Mm. This is an epic game. This is an amazing <laughs> feeling, you know? And one of the first, like, last-minute goals 
that we had. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and and in an important game too, yeah, because it's the first game. Yeah, in the you tournament. told them right before the game started. Well, during our warm up, you yes. told them that all around the world in any tournament, however old you are, uh, the first game is such an important game. And in any we tournament. won, man. That was awesome, and it was nice that afterwards, you know. We went to the restaurant yeah. and we had a you know nice burger and we Arsenal were, was playing, Arsenal, yeah, and they you know they won too, so they did. They, yeah. they, so everything was good at that point, you know. Like I was, you know, really my you know just sitting on that chair, and enjoying the burger and watching Arsenal, and after this win, it was nice. Mm, it was nice. It was real nice. It couldn't have been more content, relaxing before the next game we had in like in a couple hours. But then, <laughs> then, then, yeah, yeah. It's amazing how things go from so, such a high, such a excitement and joy, how quickly they can change, do a 180. But what happened, man? I mean, I went to the bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you did. I, uh, yeah. Everything was fine. We were watching the game. I just went up to go to the bathroom for a minute. Uh, you got a call right before I left. I know that. But uh, what was it? What was the call? I mean, it was really uh, embarrassing for both of us, right? Mm. And uh, it was the director of coaching calling me and saying that, hey, guys, where is, where are you guys? Um, there is another game. Premier has a, another game. Don't say that you forgot this one too. And you're saying that now is just making me like, oh my god, you know, yeah, and and uh, and we did, you know, it again. It wasn't on the team snap, so we didn't know that the game was there, and none of our girls didn't know either. Right, yep. And uh, they, the opponent, they were already there and waiting for this game, and we, you know, what can I say, right? I mean, I cannot say well, this is never gonna happen again. Apparently, it did. Yeah, and uh, just you know so embarrassed and um, have nothing to say really and again you know it took like forever for you to come back from the bathroom too <laughs> <laughs> you know so again i was like sitting there i'm like oh, are you kidding me dude like so stupid and so irritated and so upset with myself that we this happened and we did it and this happened again but you still were very calm man I think that's a bit your personality. I think so. <laughs> you know that? Yeah, I mean, I came back and you were just sitting there and you just looked at me and you're like, man, we messed up. <laughs> we messed up, man. So, so deadly. <laughs> you did. I was like, so what happened? <laughs> and you told me that we, again, after last week, we had missed one game and said we weren't going to, wasn't going to happen again. Yeah. This week, again, we also missed a game. And I thought I was like, I couldn't really believe it. I was like, no way. There's actually another game. Um, but I mean, this one also, like we said, I was more upset with it as well because, okay, it happened once, mistakes happen, I guess. Yeah. But then for it to happen again and so soon, very, very disappointing. Very, but, uh, very. And uh, we felt like we learned the lesson the first time. But now we really learned the lesson the second time. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and uh, we went from that high and enjoyment to that disappointment all of a sudden. But I mean, I, I like the, the the teamwork that we had because uh, we were really like, uh, I guess I was really complaining or being upset and talking so much about this. So we kind of came to the conclusion, you know, you know, you know what? 
there's nothing else we can say about right. it. Yeah. You know, we know what we did, what yeah. happened, and now we, we just... We apologize. We send a text. And yes. We, like, apologize. Exactly. Uh, we made it, hopefully made it clear, like, yeah, we were very... We were pissed about it, too. But I think maybe it's because we had another game coming up. We were still in the middle of the tournament. We were so... We spent, like, the past week so... Like, even the practices, uh, we had a coaches meeting the week before and um, with all the coaches at the club. And we were very focused on this upcoming tournament. We, we, yeah, like you said, let it go. There's nothing more we can do. Let's get back to what we've been working on this past week and focused on for this past week. We had another game coming up soon. So, I mean, I'm very, I'm, I am actually very proud over us that we did that in that situation, if you know what I mean. Mm. You know, like we could, some people can keep going with it forever and ever. And somehow we calmed each other down. Somehow we supported each other. And somehow we were like, you know what? Uh, there is no much, we don't have time to really discuss about it. We have apologized. And now yeah. we just have to focus on the next game. Yeah. Let's keep moving. And... From now on, let's promise each other we will never do the same mistake. And with that, we could move on, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And we did. We moved on to the next game. Tough game. Like we said at the start, I think you said it at the start, once you're at these tournaments, you can really get a look at so many other teams from around the right. state, engage yeah. where they are, compare yeah. that to where you are. Uh, and this team we played was a tough team, tough, very good team, technically good and well, I think we played well. We hung in there well for the first half. I think it was tied at uh, halftime, one one. one. Uh, a late goal from them. That's true, late goal. And then it was a goal like it was like an unstoppable shot. Oh, really, yeah. it was. Yeah. It was like Harry Kane against Arsenal last yeah. season. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but in the second half, after we played well, we fought well. The second half, they pulled away. We moved on to the for the rest of the tournament, though, to the next day, and defended it out. We weren't able to go to the final. But we finished the tournament with, uh, I have to say, a pretty convincing win, to say the least. With the was, girls played well and they had fun. What was the final score? Do you know? I mean, that game, I think we won to like 12 to 1 or something. Yeah, something like that, and seriously. After that game, all the girls in that roster have scored one, two goals yeah, yeah. during this season, yeah. which is amazing for them. That's right. And uh, it's fun for them. I think bro, they had fun. And bro, that's all that matters, man. Yeah. You know, at this point, that's all that matters. And I have to say, as a coach, yes. uh, thinking of that last game in particular, it was uh, it was fun for me. And I was very happy to see that all the other girls, they were having so much fun out there. Because that's what we want from soccer, right? That's what we want to teach them as well. Exactly. Welcome to the 19th episode of... The Oscotch and King Soccer Podcast Show. Welcome. Success in life comes when you simply refuse to give up. On a mission so strong that obstacles like failure and loss only act as motivation. I mean like, no one has the power to shatter your dreams unless you get something telling me to stop. I never do that in the name of love Until I've given it my all and it just ain't enough See, even if it's getting realer than they say it was Straight enough, who's afraid of what? Players get involved Nah, you work hard till you're better off 24-7, 365, never off Look at me, I'm nocturnal, I don't sleep My eyes heavy bags and crow's feet But I won't be stopped 
I go from tragedy to majesty The victory has been woven into my tapestry My adversaries not cut from the same flag as me That's why the champion's gonna be who it has to be This ain't the type of opportunity that disappears I made it here because I shed blood, sweat, and tears To get the title I forever have my sights on This is where I become an American icon Last week we congratulated a couple of teams mm. And this week we want to congratulate a couple more teams. A couple more champions have champions. been crowned. Champions. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, we, have, uh, we have Juventus. Juventus, man. Six times now, six in a row. Serie A champions. I mean, seriously? Seriously. Seriously. Mandzukic playing left midfield for some reason, but still doing great and he's loving it. Dybala, phenomenal youngster. And uh, that back line is just still as good as ever. Even if they're all in their 30s, still as good as ever. They're still dominating. They That's still right. know exactly what to do. That's right. And a couple of weeks ago, you said that you think Juventus will win the Champions League final. That's right. I still do. And uh, I find a weakness in this Juventus team. Ooh. And I just want to say it right That's now. That's impossible. So if Real Madrid plays it like that, then mm. you heard it here, right? <laughs> um, instead of using a lot of width against Juventus, you want to do a lot of passes central because they have three defenders. And mm -hmm. usually, you know, when it comes from the side, one defender goes out and you get, you know, Kedira or whoever they plays, Marquisio or whoever, you know, central midfielders are coming down. Yeah. But if you make the passes more central, just go at them central, passing through central all the way forward, then you not, will... Not, don't use the width as much. Exactly. Okay. And not that many teams are using that type of playing style. Mm. But that's a way you don't to... See it very often, no. You don't see it. Because now one of the defenders have to check to that player. And usually it's not just Benzema, right? You can have Benzema, Ronaldo... And even, you know, Isco, central, that yeah. close and come in, you know, then you have to bring in the old other players. And if you can make around a couple of passes there, mm. then you have the weight totally open. Mm. Anyways. That's a good point. Good and, point. If We'll see. I, it's hard to believe that Juventus have a weakness, but I maybe know. that, I think that could be something. We'll see if Real Madrid can, uh, can exploit it. But speaking. Speaking. Of Real Madrid. Of Real Madrid. <laughs> <laughs> Champions. Champions as well. Beating Malaga away 2-0. They just needed to not lose that game, and they they would have been champions. They could have even lost it if Barcelona lost their game. And I just want to say Barcelona were really trying to lose their game at home. They were struggling against Ibar. But they ended up winning. But Real Madrid, mm -hmm. Ronaldo scoring after like two minutes. He's, for the past two months, has just been Phenomenal. unstoppable, man. Yeah. Unstoppable. Every time we say that he's... Uh, and slowing down he's getting up there his age he's 32 i think now so maybe it's time for him to change up his game which he has done but maybe it's time for him to start you know shifting the spotlight to somebody else he just brings it back to himself <laughs> i mean i think there is also a change in the in the other players at real madrid like all of them really appreciates uh, really appreciates Ronaldo now. Mm. As soon as he scores, everybody jumps around him. There's not that discussion anymore of the jealousy or whatever. Right. You know what I mean? Right. It used to be something like right. that. The tension between uh, Casillas or Ramos or Ronaldo and Bale, exactly. Or Benzema. Boom, and like... Now they're like, you know what, dude? You are the best in the yeah. world. 
we're so happy that you're on our team, you know? No, I think that might also be because, now that you say that, I think that might also be because Ronaldo has changed his game up a bit more. And I think he does rely on service from his teammates a bit more often. And I mean, once his teammates are getting better with Modric has been good so like the last two three years with Kroos being so phenomenal this season Isco being phenomenal this season I mean Ronaldo himself can't help but appreciate talent he has around him the service he gets from these players so what you're basically saying that the Champions League final in a week from now Mm. is going to be the top top really the top two teams in Europe I think that's for sure you know it, I mean Definitely. if it's Europe it's really in the world they're going to face against each other yeah this final is going to be more exciting than the ever I would like to say dream final I think big time man and we will be together and watch this final won't we we will absolutely we will we also want to say congratulations to Besiktas they haven't won the Super League in Turkey in a long time and definitely a team that deserves the win. Don't get me wrong. I'm a Fenerbahce fan. I, uh, you know, from birth, I'm a Fenerbahce lover. But Besiktas has a solid depth, a mm. solid coaching staff. They have Şenol Güneş, the same coach that brought Turkey to the bronze medal in 2002. Most importantly, though, they have Atiba Hutchinson, the Canadian midfielder, pulling the strings for them. They have Ryan <laughs> Babel. Oh, really? They have Koreshma. So oh, that's right. They yeah. have that. You know, they have you know <laughs> somehow gained a new momentum in their careers, and they actually came to the quarterfinals in Europa League and lost against Lyon in a long really long penalty shootout yeah. and um, you know from Besiktas has a good foundation now and uh, hopefully they can build something more but really we want to see Fenerbahce win the goal next season <laughs> who else do we want to f- congratulate for their win uh, well I'm still stuck on that Ryan Babel is playing for Besiktas man. I didn't yeah. even know that wow I mean he played for, for him, I guess. he played for Kasim Pasha before for who? Kasim Pasha Oh yeah, of uh, also another Turkish team, <laughs> but he did so good in the Turkish league and um, you got him back. Got him back to the top, club too. top team. Yeah, so nice. you know, Champions League all of a sudden for him from a mediocre side to be a Besiktas is still yeah. a good achievement. Good for him. Good for him. And once you say the rest of the world thinks of Turkish football, we think of those big three: Fenerbahce, Galatasaray, and Besiktas. Yes. Which is why I'm surprised that to hear you say that it's been so so long that Besiktas have won it. Right. Uh, and you, you, I want you to keep in mind also that Kashim Pasha is a, another Istanbul team. Mm. So that's really for there. But this season you had Istanbul Başakşehir mm. surprised everyone, almost like Leicester. And you have the old Emre Belezolu, which is one of my idols oh, yeah. Yeah. When, I, when I was a kid, that really was the biggest midfielder in the squad, in the He's entire league this yeah. season as a 35 year old. Like gained so many points and assists for his team. So it's really five teams from the same city, uh, which is unheard of. And we will be making more noise about that. Um, <laughs> what you... But, uh, well, so hearing Besiktas not win it, a yeah. big three club not win it in so long, actually reminds me of another club, another big three club in its respective league, Feyenoord. Mm. Hasn't won the Dutch Eredivisie mm. in like 18, 19 years, 19 something years, like, dude. That's, that's a, a such a surprise. Time. Club that's 
as big as Ajax and PSV uh, have not won it in so long. It's almost like Liverpool not winning the Premier League or the English title in so long, too. Um, but, man, they won it this season. They won it with a couple big stories, like Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. Remember him? He was crying at oh, the man. interview right after he the was. game. He was their, their head coach. Yeah, dude. Uh, and, boy, hit club for him. Uh, also, Dirk Kout. Remember him at Liverpool? Yes. yes. Captain the club uh, in this last game. I think he's often been captain, maybe. Uh, but at, what, 36 or so years old? 35, 36 years old? Came from Fenerbahce. He did come from Fenerbahce. Yeah, yeah. And uh, in his last game, this last game that clinched the Fe- the Eredivisie title for Feyenoord, I mean, what better than to score a hat-trick in front of your home fans that were going Absolutely nuts, by the way. The fans were going crazy. And the last one was the penalty, too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so you're telling me that they create one one of the, you have to say, one of the biggest export of um, Dutch soccer. Yeah. Dutch soccer yeah. that finishes his career at his old team mm. as a captain, scoring three goals and lifting the Eredivisie trophy up in their after 19 long wait years yeah from the fans and the club that's a way and style to finish your career congratulations to you Dirk 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 for sure Dirk Dirk Kout that's the last the last one. that's the tough one Kite Kite man I've heard Queech there is this Swedish commentary that says Kite that might be right he also says Mascherano instead of Mascherano ah so yeah. what do we go with? Okay, I can say the first name and you can say the last name. Okay. Dirk Kaut. If you were champion, show me you were champion. If you were champion, show me you were champion. Cause real champions move like champions. If real champions prove that they're champions. If you were champion, show me you were champion. If you were champion, show me you were champion. Cause real champions move like champions. If real champions prove that they're champions. Listen. Forward motion never fail I learned to hustle is part of a cautionary tale Hard work is something I know very well A lesson and a blessing out of each and every L I ball, I fell in love with the game and never looked back My foundation and frame, they never shook that Been trailblazing my name into the book that Represent all the champs who had a chance and took that And laser focus is the reoccurring theme Forever coming to me like a reoccurring dream If we weren't kings, we'd probably be swimming upstream Trying to make the devil come clean for the umpteenth You know me as the global dean from the noble team so convene in a whole regime shall be overseen. I'm a pillar like a column in a pantheon. Competition, I can't see him. I'm champion. You know, Oz, we're in this congratulating mood, congratulating teams. But uh, what about individual players? There's a couple players that I'd like to congratulate. Uh, I think it's fitting to tribute these players. Okay. Um, two of them for the same team. But Bayern Munich, I think as we mentioned, I think our last episode is obviously champions again as yeah. well. And uh, one of their players is a legend of the game, and he's saying goodbye to football, at least as a player. Real icon of consistency, of stability, of professionalism. He could pass the ball for days like crazy, for whether it's short-range passes, one-touch passes, or long 40-yard passes. They were all on a dime. And uh, I'm talking about 
the Spaniard Xabi Alonso. Since the early 2000s has, like I said, just been a pillar of stability and consistency for no matter who he played for. When I, So when I say Xabi Alonso, when did he first catch your eye? Hmm. I mean, you described him very well, you know? Too well? I mean, almost too well, <laughs> to be honest. Um, I knew a little bit about him when he came to Liverpool from Real Sociedad. Yeah. He was one of the Real Sociedad's biggest names at that season. And he was young. He was mm. really young. I think he was like 22 years old mm. at Real Sociedad. Exactly. And I know it because I followed Real Sociedad a lot because of Nihad Kaveji. He right. was their striker. Mm. And he was doing good. And and I think Real Sociedad came second place in La Liga that season. So. He got his transfer to Liverpool and always been a player that is the definition of being calm on the field. Yeah. He never really loses the ball and has a really good touch. I remember this one goal where he shot a long goal from half field. Oh, man. And that was beyond half field. Beyond, maybe, yeah. yeah. Man, was... And Was it against Newcastle? Might have been. I can't remember. Stoke, maybe? I don't remember. I think it was against Newcastle where the goalie, Carroll, kind of mm. slipped and it went in. And, um, you know... Nobody have even tried this goal since Beckham's right. goal, you know. <laughs> so it was like, um, ah, it kind of showed a dimension of understanding of the soccer to a new level, mm. you know. And Alonso, man, I see his career as three different stages. One at Liverpool, one at Real Madrid, and one at Bayern Munich. And... Um, Wow, man, I've been following his career throughout. And I even remember one summer in Turkey, they were saying that, oh, Alonso is signing for Fenerbahce. I'm like, are you kidding me? You know what I mean? Are you, are you for real? Okay. And obviously he signed for Real Madrid and the rest is history with this player. But the biggest achievement, I would say, I remember him from is... The Champions League final. Yeah, I'd probably agree. I think I might agree. I don't know. That's a tough one, man. Tough. I mean, I mean, talk about the final. I mean, we I know mean, the final of course, already. Of course. But his involvement in the final. I mean, Liverpool were down 3-0, obviously. But uh, he helped really lead that comeback, I know. once You had Gerrard, of course. And first of all, I mean... Xavi Alonso and Steven Gerrard in the same midfield together. That's wow. like that's just a dream. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you had Gerrard, the captain, of course, inspiring everyone. But Xavi Alonso was right there with him, just firing Liverpool on. They were surging forward. His passes were immaculate. And he scored in that final. I think he scored the second, maybe the third goal. I think the tying goal in that final, the 3-3 goal. Penalty, you remember that oh, saved, man. but then yeah. he got the rebound, and then after so he... lucky that was. rebound came out, so he could slide tackle it. Was it luck or was it destiny? I mean, <laughs> it was meant to be, exactly, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And after he put that ball away, this the pure emotion and how fired up he was. You yeah. could see it on his face, pure emotion, and you could see how fired up he was, just all over his face. And this is from someone who, I mean, like you said, is so calm. And so, so seems so relaxed in a game. So check this out. This is Alonso talking about that Istanbul game and what it meant to him. <laughs> no, I remember because I wore these ones, the Istanbul final. I wore this one 
they are in the Anfield Museum with the, the boots that I scored the goal. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it has a nice story, this one. Each time I see the, the images, I, I, I still feel the, the tension and the responsibility of such a big moment. And you know, probably my history or my the Liverpool history will be different if we will have scored that third goal. But but you know, uh, I'm still feeling nervous when when I see the ghost guns when when I see the goal. Great stuff, and I mean, like we said, Alonso was a pillar of stability, of professionalism, and well loved by. Teammates from all of his teammates from mm, yeah every club he respectable played for. So right very respectable yeah. player uh, respectable person and um, I know that that Liverpool team mm-hmm. especially once you go through a final like that you got to be such a nice tight knit group such a close you know group of people group yeah. of guys and uh, definitely I mean with someone like Alonso that's just like a perfect person to want to be around and Steven Gerrard as well the perfect sort of people to be around. Or that sort of group. That's what strikes me with Liverpool FC, right? When you look at the players and how they describe the club, you can look at old interviews with, or new interviews as well, with Fernando Torres, Pepe right. Reina, you can talk to Carragher or Gerard, um, Suarez, mm-hmm. you name it, right? And all of them talking really warm about the club, about the fans, and really talking about... Liverpool as a city being behind Liverpool FC and all of them are a family together. Yeah, I mean, I guess that goes with you'll never walk alone, right? Right. It's not just with players or the staff. It's not just with the city. It's not just with people from the past. It's just not a song. It's not just a song, exactly. It's really a mantra, that a mindset that everyone in that city goes by it's very fascinating because you don't really have the same atmosphere if you look at other teams mm. you know and their cities mm. uh, obviously there are more teams maybe in london for instance right, right. Uh, and and uh, but it's very fascinating to see that liverpool is so close to its team and right. to each other right uh, in fact i'd like to hear what shabby alonso has to say about that that community, that city, that relationship that the city has with the club. So, here it is. Alonso went on to lift seven major domestic trophies with Real Madrid and Bayern Munich, as well as another European Championship and a World Cup with Spain. But even after all that success, since leaving the Cop eight years ago, he still regards Anfield as a home. Everyone that's that has been in the in the club and that has been able to live so so great nights. They feel that uh, that attachment to, to the club that that it's forever. You know, it's not just about a, a football club. It's just about the family, uh, how you live, and wherever I go, you see I see Liverpool flags, and you you go there and you you you, you still feel that the Liverpool supporters they. They appreciate me, and, and that makes me f- still feel part of the Liverpool family, of course. And and soccer is family, man. You know, if you if you go through all these games and all these practices and all this time spent together, you become a family. And um, 
he left Liverpool because he felt like it was time to get a new challenge. And I mm. like that mindset. Instead of leaving the season before, he played one extra season with Liverpool. But then he felt like the team is not going to a direction where they can be competitive. And he wanted to have a new challenge. And he needed a new place to go to kind of prove that he's good again, right? Mm. He felt like he was not hungry as much anymore. He's approaching his... Uh peak in his career is getting like around 27 28 something right like that, so. right so that's when he made a decision to go to real madrid and uh, you know at real madrid you know he had this chance to play the champions league final but was suspended yeah that's rough yeah, dude i know that is rough. That's got to be gutting for him. It was in the semifinal against Bayern Munich. Yep. And he did a tackle on Bastion Feinsteiger, I remember, mm. uh, that got him booked. And I remember once he got that yellow card, the referee held the card up in his hand. And yeah, Shabalon's so, so, I mean, disappointed, uh, yeah. so upset, yeah. uh, knowing that he wasn't going to be able to play in the final. It's something rare to play in a Champions League final yeah. and something rare to not play in the Champions League final, be- but yet still have the chance. You know what yeah, I'm saying? I know what you mean. Like, I there's agree. not that many players that actually have the chance to play in the final but are booked. It's definitely tough for players to get that, that yellow card, right? And to realize, like, it hits them that they can't play in the final. I remember going back to, not to bring this on too long, but to bring going back to 99 with Manchester United. Was it like Paul Scholes and uh, Roy Keane were That's both right. suspended for that final? That's right. Suspended for a chance at history, right? Yeah. I mean, they still will go down in history as as winning the, that Champions League final, winning the treble, but to not be a part of it. You want to play? Exactly. You want to play? Uh, That's why I personally think I don't. I think up to the final, then all cards should be wiped. But Xabi uh, Alonso experienced it, uh, but he was just after that final man. I remember he was, I think he was wearing like a suit and tie and stuff, <laughs> but, and he was, he was just as heated on the sidelines yeah. as like Carlo Ancelotti. And I after, see. after That's that, right. uh, yeah. final whistle blew, I remember him charging down the sidelines to celebrate with, uh, with all the, his teammates and such. It's a family there too. Trebe Alonso was the starter for the Spanish national team when they won 2008 yeah. Euros mm. and they won World Cup 2010. 10 mm. and then they won euros 2012 i mean two euros and one world cup that's that's not even dreamable i can't even dream that <laughs> and two champions league yeah yeah and one uh, la liga yeah yeah as well plus i mean how many <laughs> bundesliga titles oh yeah that's so. hard <laughs> that's hard that's so. hard but he was a key player at Bayern Munich when he left Real Madrid yeah. in Pep Guardiola's new philosophy that brought into this team. Yeah. And you can see the different stages of uh, uh, Xabi Alonso's career. Mm. And you, you wonder, really, what makes him love this sport? Mm. You know, like, um, because there is a this urgency or... or, or need yeah. of something bigger right because now you know you know he at, at real madrid he has 
at that stage at Real Madrid, he already won everything he can win. Yeah. You know, you know how do you motivate yourself by that, <laughs> you know? Like, there gotta be something other than that. I guess it's going to a new country, going to a new team, new coaches, new players, new fans, new culture, new emotions, and new memories. I love football because it makes me feel a great uh, emotion and, and it's got a great uh, significance in my life. It's exciting to hear, man, that on top of all these amazing, great emotions, there are new emotions that can come up mm-hmm. or, or be created, new memories and emotions behind them happening, right? And with all of these experiences, Xabi Alonso is, to me, a good candidate to become a great coach oh you know someone like Ancelotti or Conte um, right that has been great player themselves yeah, yeah and taking on this role and Alonso is a natural captain natural leader calm and real professional uh, professional yeah. and uh, someone else that you know is leaving the top soccer is Philip Lam right he's also a person and player that very similar and smart as Chabi Alonso that has won a lot of titles that you would also think is a good candidate yeah but in this video Alonso uh, is surprised because the reason is that Philip Lam says that nah I don't think I would like to be a coach hmm. and uh, but Alonso he can actually consider to be a coach in the future. Huh? I talked to Philip Lam recently. He said one thing he can promise is he's not going to be a manager. He says it's much too much work. He's on the pitch every day. He has to think so much more about football than the players. He would guarantee you will never see a Philip Lam manager. Can you go that far? Yeah, it surprised me because I think that Philip has those attributes, how intelligent he is, how he's able to, on the pitch, to take always the right decision. He's for sure one of the most intelligent players I have played with. But uh, I can't say the same. I think that uh, I like football, I like uh, watching football, I uh, like understanding it. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to be a manager, but I can't say that I am not going to be a manager. Time, as, again, time will tell. Philip Lam, what an amazing player, man. Yeah, right. You know, like, I don't think he has ever said something wrong or been a scandal or anything that will go against the ethic of being a professional soccer player. Would you agree with me? I think so. I I can't really think of anything. I know that there was, uh, once once Michael Ballack was leaving the German national team and Lam was becoming captain, I think uh, Lam made it, I think he said something, like nothing too big about being a leader, being a a real captain, and maybe... Balak didn't have, I don't know. Mm. But, mm. I mean, Lam is a real leader. He is a real captain. Yeah. A true professional again, I like Xabi Alonso. It was also a time where he didn't play that much at Bayern Munich. Mm. And, but he still, you know, was very professional and focused as the player he, he is in that team. Mm. Yeah. 
And, I mean, he's given so much for this team that, I mean, once you go through spells where you don't play very much, you can't just quit. Because he get, like he's gives everything for Bayern. So he's not just going to quit and jump ship to another club. Uh, and, indeed, throughout his career, uh, I think he had one loan spell at Stuttgart for, like, one season. But oh, otherwise, really? yeah, uh, early on. But uh, otherwise, Bayern through and through, always owned by Bayern. And another player like Alonso, who was very professional, another pillar of stability, consistency, and a real true leader from the back. Very short, though, isn't he? he is <laughs> but he's pretty he short, short player. But... He's short. But still, man... Even though he's so short and not very muscular, <laughs> right. he he never loses the ball. And like Alonso said in the video right now that uh, that he was surprised because he's one of the smartest players that he played with. And you know he has played with Iniesta and Xavi and you you, you name it, right? right? And still consider Lam as one of the top top smartest player. Um, just shows the quality Lam really has. I've heard coaches say that about Philip Lam as well. That. One of the smartest players that they've ever coached. I think Guardiola might have said that. Yeah, and Guardiola played him in the central midfield, which yeah, was so surprising. surprising, right? And uh, I remember the World Cup 2006. Yeah. When Philipp Lam started as a left back. Yeah. And uh, you were a bit surprised over that you didn't have a traditional left back with left no. footed. Yeah, another one of those right footed. Uh, left-sided players, which you don't, I don't really see very often in defense. Not even more, at least. Yeah, you see it plenty with wingers. Yeah, but you don't see it as often with like left-footed players I playing right back. Yeah, right-footed players playing left back. Yeah, and indeed, once Lom scored that opening goal in the World Cup after like five, six minutes, or something. Uh, this is what this is what announced Lom. This is what first you know brought Lom to my attention because. Took that ball, running up the left side, cut inside <laughs> to his right foot, and he just curled that into the far post. And indeed, that shot and that goal, 2006, announced Philip Lam to the entire soccer scene. Well, the ball is nudged forward here by Borowski. Should be picked up down that left side by Lam. Chances here, and the Costa Rica goalkeeper is beaten! And Germany! Extraordinary score through Philip Lahm with only five minutes played. What a start to the 2006 FIFA World Cup. Germany won, Costa Rica nil. You'd have had long, long odds on Philip Lahm. Only his second international goal. And this is where Lahm picked the ball up. Two red shirts ahead of him. There was a slip, it opened the door for Lam. he blasted through it. 1-0 Germany, the World Cup is alive and well and kicking again. It's a bit sad, isn't it, Oz, that you know, we're coming to an end of an era for or an end of a generation of players like Lam, like Alonso, just true professional I keep saying that word but it's just what they were it's true professional model players model people yeah and uh yeah again like Alonso Lam's career paid off that professionalism in his career that that hard work he gave in that dedication he gave in 
all paid off because another one with how many trophies does he won? I mean, I mean, he's won the World Cup, World Cup, Epic One. Yeah, yeah, captain that World Cup captain, as well, right? Yeah, Champions uh, League, Champions League as well in 2013. And he's also played a lost Champions League at home. Yeah, you know, devastating, devastating loss against Chelsea. Right. And he's also again in, countless Bundesliga titles, oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> and German cups. Yep. Yep. And there's so many players coming and going from this top top Bayern Munich team, and he's the last survivor of that generation. Yeah. You must, you know, you can say that Podolski left, um, Balak left, Schweinsteiger. Schweinsteiger left, and you know, you just add Lam <laughs> from that generation of. Uh, class players and right. he's going now too and somehow it is a end yeah I mean we've talked about uh, in the past this current Germany team and Lam was kind of a part of it. he just retired after the World Cup but uh, this current generation of German players like Royce and Ozil yep. and Müller right and Neuer but right before them you had that generation of Schweinsteiger Lam Podolski you know who That's else right. but so that's right. Another generation of class players, and Lom is like I guess the last one you could say that's at the top of the top, top of the top. Schweinsteiger, not that you know, is anything bad, but it's great that he's what he's doing in MLS. Badolski's moved on to where's he in Turkey, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Doing good stuff there with right. Galatasaray. Yeah. Yep, good stuff there. But Lom, just in the Champions League quarterfinal after how many years of Champions League semifinals in a row before that. That Champions League final win and World Cup win. I mean, it's like you said, that generation is leaving us, but also new generation is coming up with Kimmich, with Bart Stuber, with new players. And even in Alonso's case, right? That generation of Alonso, Iniesta, Xavi are leaving as we're seeing right now. But you have the players like Fabregas, but the younger ones more like Thiago Alcantara, Koke, yeah. Isco. Right. You know, the, the new champions are coming up, playing in Champions League finals, playing in, you know, in the big games. And there are growing new ones that I'm sure they will grow on us as well, don't you? Absolutely, man. I agree completely. And these players are winning league titles even now. They're youngsters like Isco and Thiago winning league titles even now. And... Um, that are proving to be inspiration for young, even younger than they are. Even yeah. teenagers in the youth teams or right. below, even going down to preteens and stuff mm. like that. Mm. That all starts with coming down to grassroots level soccer, young kids, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, that go to, go to tournaments and compete in games where they experience this real emotions, real highs and lows that soccer can give you even in one game like a comeback 5-4 win right right and right. uh th- this is what breeds breeds the next the next champions of the future and even with emotions that you can actually believe that every game is a possibility to express your soccer style but you can also win you can also achieve something that you really want to and it comes down to coaches coaches that inspire their players to reach for their dreams and support them at that age, at that level. Yeah. And uh, there is a new generation in U.S. women's soccer that will come up after players like Carly Lloyd and 
Alex Morgan and you know Hope Solo mm. and it's, it's gonna come up new generation within eight nine years and hopefully one of our girls will be inspired enough and have confidence enough and the luck enough to make it all the way up to the US national women's team I think so I, I, I can see it already in our girls I can see the next Carly Lloyds and Megan Rapinos and and Megan Klingenberg's in our team already true but we have one girl that is really like Lisa Dahlqvist oh sure and Lisa Dahlqvist is the central midfielder for the Swedish national team I'm not just saying because she's from Erbro or Adelsberg sure but she is really good and we have one girl that reminds me of her so much and uh, with that said man it's tough to say farewell to champions that we have followed 15 years mm. you know what I mean mm. 15 years seeing them you know upset seeing them happy felt with them in one way felt with their fans and um, I guess we it's an emptiness but it's exciting to know that next generation we'll be able to go through that all again won't we it will be interesting to see so this is not a farewell to champions it's a welcome to the new champions I like that yeah I like that ending that's a good ending thanks hey do adios I learned to hustle is part of a cautionary tale Hard work is something I know very well A lesson and a blessing out of each and every L I ball, I fell in love with the game and never looked back My foundation and frame, they never shook that Been trailblazing my name into the book that Represent all the champs who had a chance and took that And laser focus is the reoccurring theme Forever coming to me like a reoccurring dream If we weren't kings, we'd probably be swimming upstream Trying to make the devil come clean for the umpteenth You know me as the global dean from the noble team So convened and the whole regime shall be overseen I'm a pillar like a column in the pantheon Competition, I can't see him, I'm champion